Welcome to the Jungle Diaries, brought to you by the Salon Press from the Flame Tree Estate and Hotel. This pocket-sized plantation, no more than 25 acres of spices, trees and forest, hides deep in the jungle country north of Kandy, Sri Lanka's last kingdom. This is where you'll find me, shedding the norms of Notting Hill and Oxford, of cafes, corporations, caviar to plant trees, to breed goats and schnauzers, to crop pepper, run a boutique hotel, and document this small, well-kept secret of an island. My missing sapphire tiara. Friday the 10th of December. It was Mr Vijay Ratna from the waterboard who brought the missing tiara to mind when he called on us this morning, his beaming presence foretelling progress in our fixed line of water collection. He is a generous, positive fellow, little given to jewellery except for his fingers. These more than make up for any deficit. They carry a rich selection of rings, the most impressive the size of a small calculator, its flat, square surface, a golden field on which are displayed in neat rows nine precious and semi-precious stones. As he waved his arms about, explaining what pipe would go where and how deep well water provision could now be enriched by his fixed lime water, the sun glinted on his fingers and the trickle of gloom that I'd started to feel at my total lack of commitment to personal jewellery became a flood. Some people are born with voices that will carry them deep into the world of opera, or a figure on which rags or rich silk outfits could be placed with equal grace. Others are born with no instinct for jewels. I have just sufficient levels of self-awareness to know that toe or finger rings and necklaces do little for my truculent beauty. But I also know, albeit from school, that tiara can improve me. Whether it was a tiara or a small gold crown much garnished with glass rubies, I cannot now remember, but it did the trick. My blonde hair appeared more golden, my complexion a more prosperous pink, my head longer, as if the brain beneath my temples had been given an atypical opportunity just to smile and be blessed and take time off from thinking. Sadly, the tiara disappeared once the school play we were performing came to an end. I sensed later that earrings would also have done well on me, sapphires or gold nuggets giving my overlooked lobe something special for hug. This emotional deficit does not stop me appreciating jewellery on others, though here in the jungle, Mr Vijayaratna accepted, it is a rare sight. But when it does appear, it makes the sort of glorious waves that Moses must have done as he trekked down from the mountain waving his tablets. Not long ago, five ladies from St Petersburg came to stay. They dressed in a rich selection of gemstones for dinner, including two hair ornaments that may or may not have been tiaras or even state crowns. Often pearls, rings and earrings catch the gentle candlelight over dinner, but rarely do they offer the sort of overwhelming light force that you might encounter at a coronation in High Magazine, a Tatler Diary, or a meeting Luke Skywalker's Cloud City lightsaber. Which is a shame, especially here, for Sri Lanka is practically the home of gemstones. If biblical rumours of King Solomon's wooing of the Queen of Sheba with gifts of priceless Sri Lankan gems are to be believed, the country's gem mines can be dated back to 900 BCE, 
the king of Salon, wrote Marco Polo in the 13th century, has the grandest ruby that was ever seen, a span in length, the thickness of a man's arm, brilliant beyond description, and without a single flaw. Its worth cannot be estimated in money. Thanks to the extreme old age of its rocks, Sri Lanka's gems are so numerous as to just wash out onto floodplains and into rivers and streams. 25% of its land is gem-bearing, especially around Ratnapura and Elhira. From here come the 75 precious or semi-precious gems that call this island home. Rubies, sapphires, spinels, amethysts and sapphires, garnets, rose quartz, aquamarines, tourmalines, agates, topaz, citronines, alexandrines, zircons, and moonstones, to name just a few. And it was from Ratnapura over the past several years that sapphires the size of supermarket baskets have been found. So great is the affinity between Sri Lanka and its sapphires that the nation might legitimately put in for a name change to be better called Sri Sapphire. They account for 85% of the precious stones mined here. But the colour variant that gets the most acclaim is the Salon Blue Sapphire, the blue of cornflowers, clear skies, an inestimable, sophisticated material contentment. Selling for $5,000 to $8,000 per carat, they're as much statements of investment as they are items of adornment. A kiss on the hand may feel very, very good, noted Anita Luce, but a diamond and sapphire bracelet lasts forever. And so they do. Since Ptolemy noted their glittering existence here, they are much favoured for crowns, thrones, diadems, as well as jewellery for first nights, hotel dinners and cocktail parties. Sri Lanka's sapphires have given museums and auction houses jewels of such arresting quality as to gain themselves names and identities in their own right. Diana, Princess of Wales' engagement ring, a mere 12 carats of Sri Lanka sapphire, rocketed to the homes of anyone with a television set when the then Prince of Wales declared his love, whatever that is, for her in 1981. But the lead Windsor in the House of Windsor can easily eclipse this. The Stuart Sapphire, said to be Sri Lankan, sits atop the very crown still worn by the British monarch and is probably the world's most visible sapphire, excepting, that is, the heart of the ocean. In a perfect example of nature obediently following Hollywood, the so-called heart of the ocean jewel in the film Titanic was posthumously created following the film's success as a 170-carat Salon blue sapphire. The sapphire replaced the inexpensive blue quartz flung by Kate Winslet into the icy ocean. It was worn in 1998 by Celine Dion when she sang My Heart Will Go On at the Oscars and was auctioned for over $2 million at a charity ball they more affordable copies of the necklace can be bought on eBay. For art lovers, there is the Fitzwilliam's Aphrodite Sapphire. For the religious-minded, the 9th-century talisman of Charlemagne, both Sri Lankan. Many have found their way into other museums to be gazed at but never again worn, like the 423-carat Logan Sapphire, the 287-carat Star of Atraban, the Bismarck Sapphire, or the 182-carat Star of Bombay, worn by America's sweetheart, Mary Pickford. All four now live in the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C. 
Two other world-class sapphires shine brightly in the American Museum of Natural History. The 563-carat almost flawless Star of India and the 116-carat Midnight Star Sapphire. Russians slipping through the Kremlin's Brovodsky Gate to the State Diamond Collection can feast on the Emperor Maria's Sapphire. Despite its massive size, 260 carats, it is surrounded by such an orgy of other rare gems, insignia and crown jewels that it is practically invisible. But many of the best have simply vanished. On the auction block one moment, then lost to public delight the next. The Blue Bell of Asia, sold in 2014 for $17.29 million, is one never again sighted. So too the 600-carat blue giant of the Orient, last spotted in Geneva in 2004. The first of the really colossal sapphires only appeared as recently as 1998, when the 856-carat pride of Sri Lanka was pulled from the mines of Marapala, a few kilometres from Ratnapura. In a year overshadowed by the violent excesses of the Civil War, its discovery, along with the country's cricket team's victory in a test match against England, was one of Sri Lanka's few bright moments. Barely a decade later, in 2015, came the star of Adam at 1,444 carats. It rather brutally eclipsed the pride of Sri Lanka. And if this was not sufficient, it also displayed a distinctive six-rayed star, an effect known amongst jewellers as asterism. This produces an internal reflection effect, similar to having eaten large quantities of caviar or puffing at a Cuban cigar by the fireside. But then, in July 2024, as Covid lapped around inert streets and cities, a 2.6 million carat sapphire, the serendipity sapphire, was discovered in Kawata, near Ratnapura, entirely by accident. When Mr Gamage, a gem trader, set workmen to dig a well. Just five months later, its marginally smaller sibling, the Queen of Asia, was found in nearby Batagara, dispatched for deeper examination or authentication. It was rumoured to have been bought by a Dubai-based company for over $100 million, though the news trail has since gone cold on this staggering discovery. Any one of these remarkable stones would have done for my ghostly tiara budget person though the more recently discovered ones might break my neck if so warm. Better by far to take a leaf from Mr Vijay Ratna's happy book. His nine-stone ring is very commonly encountered amongst men in Sri Lanka. It is called a Nauratna ring, a lucky gemstone, Mr Vijay Ratna assured me, that is something men need more than women. Different stones can be used for the setup, but the preferred arrangements are a ruby, garnet, tourmaline, Cat's eye, pearl, and four sapphires, blue, white, yellow, and padmaraga, the rarest and most prized sapphire, said to radiate an aquatic lotus blossom colour, ranging from dainty salmon pink to orange. Perhaps, like a part-remembered poem, it is enough to merely know about them, and to murmur their magical names as I walk by jungle paths, schnauzers pulling at their leads, it is certainly less onerous on the home insurance premiums.